You're listening to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. In this episode, I'll be giving my perspective of Black Lives Matter, but our lives must matter to us first. So all of my listeners out there know that I release a new episode of my podcast every Friday, and today is Monday. I felt the need to break the cadence of releases and give my perspective on something that must be said, must be discussed, must be shared. This past weekend, was the 4th of July weekend, 2020. And after months of being in quarantine of the coronavirus, many states have started to go through their opening phases. In the last few months, we've had a powerful forward momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, based on the George Floyd incident placed on the Richard Brooks incident. And I was feeling very hopeful, very much so, that we would unite in this movement forward, that we were on a path, or that we are on a path that ensures that our voices will be heard as I look at the marches and the protests that have continued to go on, I see a crowd of people from what I've called before Generation Z of every race, creed, and color marching in support of Black Lives Matter. We have spoken out against incidents involving the police, most uh, front and foremost in the last few incidents. And we have demanded change, police reform. And as I've mentioned in my previous podcast, it goes beyond police reform. I also have taken the time to make sure that we keep perspective that not all cops, not all police officers are bad. I've mentioned that I have many friends who are police officers who are really great people. But then this past weekend, July 4th, there was a a rise, an, an, an uptick, not even an uptick, an explosion of violence. The statistics I read earlier, and I'll read them from this notes I made here, 150 people shot on the weekend across the United States. Nearly two dozen dead between Chicago and New York. I think I heard a statistic earlier this evening that said that 100% of the people shot in this past weekend 
were black and brown people. And evidence seems to suggest that it is black and brown people against black and brown people. I felt the need to have this discussion and and to share my thoughts because we need to look at ourselves. We need to speak to each other in the black and brown community and understand that when we're asking the world to listen, to look, to see the injustices, it has much more power behind the movement when our baggage is not so heavy. And the baggage is so heavy because time and time again, we don't give value to our own lives. Black and brown people are killing black and brown people. There was a seven-year-old boy, I think, in Chicago this weekend. There was the eight-year-old girl in Atlanta who was in her mother's car, and as her mother was driving down the street, someone opened fire. And I, and I, I grapple with this, I struggle with this issue because while we, the evidence is there of so many crimes by others against black and brown people, not just in law enforcement, but in, 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 in institutional racism that we, that we have to fight, we are not taking care of ourselves to provide the united front that says, not only do we want others to value our lives, but we value them ourselves. We have people in black and brown communities, like I said, killing each other. We have others in the community who have information that would lead to finding these people who are perpetrating these crimes and they don't speak to the police. They don't tell anyone what they know. We have this mindset of something called snitching that is some code of honor that rises above the life of someone else. We are so ingrained in what we have been conditioned by our environment that we are contained by our own selves. We want right to be done to us but we are not doing right to each other. How can we ask someone else to value us as black and brown people when we do not value ourselves? How do we get through to those of us who are committing these crimes that it must stop, that they must put down the weapons, the guns, and pick up the movement? How do we embrace each other so that we turn away from violence and seek knowledge and seek unity? 
These are not questions that I'm asking that I have answers to today. But these are the questions that we must ask ourselves. I am so disturbed by what happened this weekend. I feel like those of us who are fighting in this movement to move forward are being pulled down by anchors that live in our own communities amongst us. They live and breathe among us. I feel like these anchors are so heavy and so ingrained in, in who we are that we ourselves have, are, are blind to our own failures. How do we get this change to happen in a way that our voices make the loudest noise in unity and have value because we show the world that we value each other within our, our culture, our race, our identity. How do we stop this violence? Children, mothers, fathers. There was another shooting, I think, this past weekend where a father was walking down the street holding his daughter's, his six-year-old daughter's hand And he was shot and killed. What do we feel about someone else's life when we've gotten to the point that we don't care? Now, don't get me wrong. There are bad people or, or people that, that embrace violence in every race, creed, and color. But we have to be honest. When you have I think I, the statistic I heard was 100 people killed in the month of June, 100 people shot, and they were 97% black and brown. And then for, the, for July, this large number over this weekend, 150 people were 100% black and brown. Who are we blaming? We want to say to our, the leaders and, and, and the officials that black lives must matter when we are pulled over by police, when we are questioned, when we are um, in, in, a, in the same situation as anyone else could be in. And we have come out in full force to ask for reform. But now here we find ourselves calling desperately for the same police to help us and to help protect us from our own. And what crossed my mind today was if we had someone of our own black and brown community committing a crime against our own family member and the difference between our lives and the death of our own lives or our children's lives was that police officer would we care whether or not he used a chokehold? At that point, it wouldn't matter. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning 
that kind of, of action by any law enforcement officer. The point I'm making is, if we're asking them to change, then we must change. We must stop the violence that not only puts our own lives at risk, but also their lives when they respond to the job to the calls that are made within our community of black and brown on black and brown crime. We must stop dominating the statistics. It, it, it is such a difficult case to make, to be taken seriously, to tell someone who is not black and brown, don't be afraid of us when we are afraid of ourselves. Leaders in the black and brown communities come out and plead for those among us who know who is breaking us apart to, to make it known so that this element can be either removed or by whatever means cannot be continue to be a part of our downfall. Look at the progress we've made in the last few months not only in the United States but around the world as our voices have been come louder and people have been taking notice and people of every race creed and color have joined us to say black lives matter and yet we won't do what we need to do in our own communities to say to each other my life matters. Your life matters. And we will not stand by and watch us destroy each other and yet find a way to put focus on the blame of someone else and forget that we own the blame too. I don't know who or how to speak to, to get this, to get us to listen to ourselves. I am tired looking at news conferences of parents in tears. It broke my heart to see that mother in Atlanta sitting in the chair at the news conference. I couldn't imagine for a moment what she's feeling. It is senseless. We want to rise up. We want to be the leaders. We want to be part of the, the pool of people who are real viable candidates for leadership in every area of our lives, in every industry. We want to be respected. We want to be feared for our talent and not for our violence. I've heard the calls of many ministers, of many officials, black officials, all over the country, begging for this to stop. And yet, not only is it going nowhere, but we are allowing it to continue. 
when is enough enough? When do we make the direct connection between how the rest of the world sees us and how we see ourselves? When do we make the direct connection between how the rest of the world views us and the image that we present? When do we decide to put down a gun and pick up a book? When do we decide that a life is too valuable to take on our own? When do we decide that the senseless, I don't know what to call it, the, the rivalries that we create because someone looks at us the wrong way or says something or whatever the catalyst is for this violence, drugs, whatever the case may be, disrespect, as some people say on the street, is not worth a life. When do we understand that from every level within the black and brown community, that power lies in unity, and while when we rise together, when we rise together, we will be heard. Stop the violence against each other. Furthermore, stop the violence against anyone. There are a lot more ways to be powerful, and they don't involve a gun. If we want change, if we want change to come, we are going to have to change. thank all my listeners and supporters for continuing to support me as I lend my voice to the issues we face in many areas of our lives. You can listen to all of my episodes on your favorite podcast app. You can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net where you can leave comments for each episode. And if you'd like, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until we do this again, please take care of yourselves and each other.